Hi, brothers and sisters. Uh, it's always glad to be here with you guys. And you guys made it. I mean, it, the jazz are playing right now. So I didn't think we'd have anybody here. So I'm recording it, so don't tell me. <laughs> but I'm afraid we're gonna lose, right? So, so I don't know. So thanks for coming, because it is the playoffs. Uh, or if you're a hockey fan, it's also hockey playoffs, which I don't care about, so you can tell me all about that. And it's raining, I know. It is pouring when I came in, it was absolutely pouring. So thanks for coming um, for all those very trying things. So study group, it's study group, so yay. All right, should we jump in? So today's lesson, today's lesson we're going to do is Matthew 18 and Luke 10. So we just have two chapters to review. I know some of you have already been practicing it. And most of the stories I think we'll find we're very familiar with. So last two weeks we did Easter, so we jumped to kind of the Easter story. And now we're jumping back. Um, into the Gospels a little bit. So don't let that throw you off. But the, the new program, they tried to hit the holidays a little bit. Might as well study the same thing. So last week you did Easter, now we're going back. Matthew 18, Luke 10. Now, most of these stories I think you'll know. So let's, um, I thought maybe what we could do today is jump into them. But I do have... I do have a couple of points or things that really jumped out at me in this that uh, that I thought I'd start off to share while we kind of warm up. So while you get your thinking caps on, I went to dinner with some friends on Monday, and uh, in my ward, and, and and we were talking about their kids and just different things, and and they said, why do you think kids today are kind of leaving the church? Right? There was kind of a discussion, and they've had some kid, of their kids leave the church. And, uh, and just church in general, any, any church. But why, why are people kind of leaving religion? And, and we discussed that topic. Um, but we actually came to kind of a conclusion. I don't know if we're right or wrong, it's just us. But some friends of mine, and we said, you know, it does seem like sometimes we push against an institution. Hey, the church is this big thing. But when we look at it, as we look at today, I think we'll find that the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that we changes how we live. It changes who we are inside. It's when we take it inside and make it something about our lives and how we change and how it can change us that it makes a difference. It isn't an institution, right, that makes the difference. So sometimes we push against the institution. I mean, you know me, I hate wearing dresses, for example. I think that's dumb. I do, I hate it. And, and if I could wear pants to every church meeting, I would, but it will distract certain people and they will feel like I'm a crazy person. So so I don't, but that's an institutional thing, and I hate it, right? I'm like, oh, just let me wear pants. For heaven's sake. Um, but that isn't really the point, right? The point is how I live and, and who I am. And, and so I think that's what we're going to find today. So see if, as we read through these stories, you don't say, this is more about changing who we are inside. This is about changing the way we live, how the way we act, and how we see the world. It's really where it's hard, right? This is the hard stuff now, right? It's not what you believe, it's what you do. So let's let's jump in and see if we can do this. So let's jump to Matthew 18, um, and right, and we'll, we'll kind of jump in. Um, somebody asked me how school was going. You guys know I'm doing my degree, uh, an advanced degree in theology, 
And um, so far, so good. Uh, I finished, yeah, I finished the Pauline epistles just recently. And uh, so I'm excited when we get there. I have no idea what they mean. So even after all the class, I don't understand Paul very well. So anyway, we'll get back to those. But thank you for asking. It's going well. I got an A in my last class. Um, I still don't know what Paul means. I wrote a fantastic paper on Hebrews that I thought might get me kicked out of the university, but it didn't. So when we get there, I'll explain that. But anyway. All right, Matthew 18. So there are a lot of things to cover today. So I thought what we'd do is read a little, and we'll watch a few of the videos. Because okay? I know uh, we don't always get a chance to read it all. Um, I'm, I'm glad you see you guys got the big print books. Yeah. You just got those, right? Yeah, right. Uh, that's fantastic. I need the big print books. So I, I have to read on really big print myself. So that's good news. Yeah, I, I will. I will. I put them on my computer, and then I make it as big as it can go <laughs> on my screen. Because I can make it in fairly much infinitely large uh, with my terrible eyesight. So... Congrats on getting the books. You guys are like the first ones in the church. That's like first edition print. Keep it. Minted. Okay. Let's do Matthew 18. So it's up on the screen. Um, so let's scroll down. Thank you. Um, so I want to do one set of context before we read this story, and then we'll have somebody read uh, this first story of Matthew 18 and ask some questions. So we're just going to read the first six verses. But this is a story of, you're going to, well, let's read it first. Let's read it first, and then I'll tell the context. So is there somebody who can help me read 18, Matthew 18, 1 through 6? It's kind of short. All right, we'll go in the back here. You'll follow along up here or on your, um, in your scriptures. Matthew 18, verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. I don't think we're in Matthew 18. Oh, the first uh, one through six, yeah. Okay. At the same time, the disciples said unto Jesus, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as a little child, ye cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whosoever shall offend one of these my little ones which believeth in me, it were better for him that a millstone be hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Thank you. You know, it sounds great at reading. Have you noticed that? It's hard to read the scriptures for people. So thank you for being such a great reader for us. All right. So what's going on? We're following up in a story. And remember, in, in the scriptures, there are actually chapters and verses. We put those in later. So we read back a few verses and we see that this was this time they're up in the north. The disciples and Jesus and his followers are still up in the north. And when they're up there, um, the Pharisees, there's a temple tax that's due. And every male is required to pay this temple tax. And it's what 
chart would, would pays for the grounds and the keeping and the and the um, of the temple in Jerusalem, and they want to catch him on stuff, right? They're always trying to catch him. So they come in and say, hey, have you paid the temple tax? Peter answers the door. Hey, you want to know if temple tax is due? Has Jesus paid it? Oh, yeah, he's paid it. Yeah, he's paid it. Yeah. And he shuts the door. And then, hey, Jesus, did you pay the temple tax? No. And he says, uh, go out and get a fish. And when you, when you catch this fish, you'll get a coin. And this coin in its mouth will be enough for you and me, Peter. And they pay the temple tax. And then immediately after that is this story. Okay. So, um, so the story takes place, and they're asking an interesting question. So the followers are having this discussion, and it's, who, did you catch it? It's a really weird topic. They came to the disciples to Jesus, and they're like, okay, Jesus, we want to know who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't that sound kind of petty? Yeah? It sounds weird, right? Hey, Jesus, we're having a fight. Who's, who's going to be the best one? It depends on who it is. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, let me put a little context for this for you as well. A little bit of context. Um, two things. First, do you guys ever read the story of the disciples, either in the Old Testament or sometimes the New Testament, and think, are you kind of superior to them? They're kind of dumb. <coughs> I do. I do. I mean, that's terrible to admit, right? But I'm always like, they're so dumb. Like, why, why are they asking that, right? Why? That is, they're so petty. So just notice that I'm petty as well because I look at these stories and think I'm superior. I would never do those things. But I think the gospel is more important. We said, well, wait a minute. We're probably the disciples in this story. Right? <coughs> okay, so that's the first thing. Second thing is the context. Something that's totally different than how we live today is how they lived with kind of social hierarchies. Right? And the way that they lived, if, if you were better educated, if you were... Um, <coughs> richer, right? If you were in a better family, if you lived in the bigger towns, if you had more health, right? If you had if you were a man, right? If you were a certain tribe, you were better. You were seen as better, superior, just by those attributes. So they very much put themselves into these kind of hierarchies or stratus of where they fell in life. Right? Well, I'm a Roman, I'm better than you, I am richer, I'm better than you, I'm a Samaritan, I'm less than you, right? And they just found themselves in these hierarchies, and that's how they went through life. Now, as Americans, that's super weird to us, right? Because we're like, we're all equal, and we can all pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and we can all be better. But that's not how they lived then. They knew where they were in life based on where they were born, what family they were born in, how much money they had, and even if they were healthy or not healthy, okay? So, different. So now, Jesus is coming and he's teaching his people and he's saying, hey, this new kingdom is here. This kingdom of heaven is here. It's different, right? It's different. And we're all part of it now. And so there's this new kingdom. So, maybe they aren't so petty, but maybe they're saying, hey, in this new kingdom, what? What's the organizational chart? Like, where do we fall, and how does this work? And we don't understand how to relate to each other, and, you know, who's the boss and who's not the boss, and that's just how we're used to working, right? And now there's no org chart. There's no, we don't know how to act. We don't. So in this new kingdom of heaven, who's the, who's the greatest? 
right? Who's the boss in this one? Right? Thank you. Yeah, but after that, what? It's the rest of us. How are we supposed to organize? And who's in charge? And who's lesser and greater? And I don't get how it works. So, so just know when they ask that question, to us, well, at least to me, it's petty, right? Like, who's going to be the most important one? Right? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be me? And they ask it a number of times. They're really concerned about it. But think about it. If we said, okay, we're a new country, the country of legacy, and then I leave, you'd be like, well, who's in charge? Who's in charge of the snacks? Right? Who's in charge of games? Who's making sure the lights are paid for? We would ask the same questions. Okay, so just know that contextually as we start. There's comment back there. As you were saying how the hierarchy there is, I just want to pose a question to everyone here. How many of us think we're better or whatever than the homeless or the LBG, LE, whatever, you know, the, the gay community or the drug addict? You know, it applies to us as much as it does to them. You know, who's higher in the kingdom? You know, we've got to be much better than the drug addict or the homeless or somebody that is just not following the gospel at all. Yeah, right? And we kind of think that, don't we? Don't we kind of think that? We've got a comment in the back here. I think the president's going to stumble his way over there. He makes it. All right, get us. A question for you because of your specialty on background of these people. Okay. Number six is serious. Did you read what... Yeah. Talk about hanging something around your neck and putting you in the depths of the sea. Yeah. If you offend your children, my my uh, my grandchildren are offending my great grandchildren all the time. So uh, the word offend obviously doesn't mean the same thing here because yeah. you know if you tell your children what you want them to do and they don't like it, they're offended. Sometimes they'll start screaming a tantrum. Mm -hmm. So what what does that offend mean? What what, what is really said here? In yeah. Sex? Yeah, good question. So he's going to explain, and we'll go back to what he means, but he says, hey, if you offend one of my little ones, and he says an interesting, little ones that believe in me. So is he potentially talking about their age? No, I'm or, talking about what's the word offend mean. Yeah, I know, but it will help us understand if we say, if we say what the, I am getting there. If we say, if the little ones that believe in me, are we talking about age, physical age? What are we talking about then? Some cases, but that jumps out. Will, what do you think? Testimony. Yeah, I think that's the key to this of, of what an offense means. It means someone who causes someone to stumble, okay. who puts up things so that they can't accept the gospel, who makes them feel unwanted, unloved, not part of the group, right? Doesn't let me wear pants. No, or something serious, right? If you If you have someone who is a newer to the gospel, returning to the gospel, doesn't maybe understand anything, and you make it hard for them to come back, the Lord is saying, whoa, that's serious. John? Okay, now, you, you know, right at the very first of the class, you you know, you had some friends in your ward that said, well, why are so many kids now leaving the church? Yeah. Well, I'll give you a prime example. In 1962, the Supreme Court said you could no longer have 
prayers of the school, i.e. God was kicked out of the classroom. And then the government shifted from being neutral towards religion to becoming increasingly hostile, particularly towards the Christian religion. And this is now permeated through all levels of society. The official, the religion, official religion, state religion of the United States is now secular humanism. It is in direct opposition to Christianity. And last time I checked, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a Christian church. And so what you're incurring here, now getting back to offending one of those little ones, basically you have a kid go, let's say, go into, let's say, well, let me give you an example. When I was in ninth grade, I had a teacher who was stridently anti-Mormon. And every day, without that, he would tell us how backward and how evil and how stupid the church was. Now, you keep on hearing that every day when you go to school or to any other environment, you're going to have your faith shaken. And that is, and, and so, basically, like I say, there isn't a really an age factor here, but that is how Christ's little ones who believe in him become uh, are offended because, because their faith, their beliefs in him are attacked and belittled to the point that they, they back off, yeah, right? They, they back, say, well, back off and they quit yeah. believing. What do you think? Does that sound, does that resonate with you that it might be offended? Yeah, I think it I think it feels a little bit more like that, that it's if we impede someone's learning of the gospel on purpose, not on accident, but on purpose or making it hard for people, it's like, oh, you guys. Let's go back. What do you guys think? Yes, no? Thoughts on that? I can see lots of nodding heads and comments. Wrong. It says there that it had been better if they'd had a millstone hanging around their necks, the ones who do this. So the Lord's going to hold them. The Lord is going to hold them accountable for what they do. Yeah, right. I think, right, very seriously. That's serious. Let's go back to the story. They come back and they say, hey, in this new kingdom, in this new upside-down kingdom, where it's all different than what we're used to living, right, this new kingdom of God that we're starting to live in, Who's, who's in charge? Who's greater? Who's lesser? And he goes and he takes a child, right? He takes a little child. And, he, and it says he picks him up, um, this little child, and he says, uh, you shall humble himself. And, and therefore, unless you humble yourself as this little child, the same as the greatest. Now, how were children seen back then? Were they like the light of everyone's life? Yeah, they're kind of little. Yeah, they're little. <laughs> Any, do you guys know? It's a little bit different than then we treated them today. About 50% died in childhood. Okay, so they died. So you think, oh, they're precious. But a lot of times they were kind of treated like slaves, right? Until they got older and were more useful. So sometimes kids weren't quite as valuable as maybe we see them and precious gems. Sometimes, yes, you see Jesus loving them. And I'm sure people love their children. But they are kind of lesser citizens, right? But he's going to flip it on its head. So he's going to take this child, and he's going to sit it down and says, the greatest in the kingdom is a person who humbles themselves like a child. Well, um, In context, I think we need to remember that the people in the New Testament, although we can presume they had an average uh, education as far as religious topics, none of them had read the New Testament. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. Things like um, hypocrisy and humility and stuff that that wasn't a, a part of their upbringing to yeah. be humble. 
Yeah. It was, it was like, how great am I, right? So he says, it, what does it mean to be humble like a little child today? How do you humble yourself like a little child in the kingdom? What does it mean? We've got one back here, and then we'll come up to Army. You have to also understand they're not accountable until their age. So they are, in my understanding, celestial beings. So if you're going to offend something that's celestial, yeah, it's going to have a great impact on your okay. eternal life. Yeah, serious. Uh, Arlene, you have thought? You know, I think little children are innocent. And uh, whoever uh, does something to that child, it, it, it is not right. Correct. Correct. So Good. we have to realize that children are innocent. They, they are innocent. Yes. Okay, we have a thought up here. Donna? And I have a grandson who's walked away from the church. And they have a little little one that just turned five. And of course they, they think everything is having fun and you know. And uh, my grand my daughter bought a CTR ring for him because he saw his cousin have one. And my grandson and his wife would not let the child wear it. Because it was church related? Yes. Uh, so they're 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 not doing right by the child. Well, they're, they think they're doing right. right? They think they're doing right. All right. So in this new kingdom, let's take a step back for a second. Good, good thoughts, you guys. Good thoughts. I like that we're really commenting a lot. Keep it up. In the new kingdom, it's different than the world. So the world is who's powerful, who's rich, who's well-educated, who can right, dominate overpower, right? They're the guys who win. And in this new kingdom, the kingdom of God, he's saying, if you're humble like a child, they're the ones that are the greatest in the kingdom. What's he telling us about this kingdom of God? What is he telling us about how we have to be? Do we have to be, what is humble like a child? I don't know. I've met children. They're, are they humble? They're sticky and sometimes smelly. They're tough. Right? What are they, Karen? They're obedient. Oh, they are, in aren't they? The, in, especially in their time. Yeah. They needed to be obedient, but that's what we expect now, too. Yeah. So obedient. They're, they're obedient. They're open to suggestions. They're excited about life, right? They want to do what we're asking them to do. They're not like, no, that's not mine. They're like, do you, do you want to go to the park? Yes. Do you like ducks? Yes. Right? Do you want to help me with the dishes? Yes. Right? Do you want to do your ministry? No. Yes. Right? Yes. They're teachable. They're teachable. Oh. Are we teachable? Sometimes. Sometimes we're like, oh, I know the answer. Right? I am. I'm I know. Let me just answer that. But little children tend to believe what you tell them. Oh, they're believing. And they're teachable. They're teachable and they're believing. Okay, so there are some keys for us. In this new kingdom of God, we're humble, we're teachable, we're willing to learn, we're willing to act, 
right? We don't know better, right? We're like, okay, if that's the way we're gonna do it. Recently in the church, there have been a lot of changes. There have been changes from everything from missionary things to the age of yeah, young men in the priesthood to, uh, I mean, the, our class right now to ministering. I mean, how many changes have we had? Like a gazillion, right? Are there, ask yourself, are there any of them that I'm like, eh, I don't really like that one? Are there? Be honest. Any of those changes you're not super excited about? Sure. Yeah, probably, right? Probably. If we're like children in the new kingdom, we say, okay, whatever you want. No more scouting? I'm in. Right? Younger age? I'm not sure. Sisters can wear pants on their missions? I'm in. You already know about my pants thing. So, right? There are a lot of changes. A lot of changes. I'm asking, we're asking more study at home. How are we doing on that? Don't we have to basically, we have to gain a testimony of the newness of something that is presented to us. Do we? I think we do. I think we need to follow quote unquote blindly to begin with. But I think in order to maintain it, we need to get a, a testimony of it. And we need to gain a testimony that Russell M. Nelson is the mouthpiece for the Lord in this day and time. I think we do. But if you ask a kid, would they need all that or would they just go, okay? They go, okay. Yeah, yeah. So something to think about. I, I don't think you're wrong. I think, I, I don't, but I think it's something to think about. Remember when we started, we said, something that's interesting about what the Lord is teaching us is teaching us how to be different here inside. It's how we act, how we believe, how we think, how we feel, how we treat others. Those are hard things to change, right? So in this example, I think he's saying, hey, it isn't about your birthright. It isn't about what assignments you had in the gospel. It isn't about what language you speak. It isn't about your gender. It isn't about how old you are. It's about being humble like a child. So if you're humble like a child, then you will be greatest in the kingdom. Right? Those are the first two verses. And we say, am I humble like a child? Or am I like, well, sure hope they don't call me to that calling, right? I sure hope I don't have to clean the church on Saturday. I do, by the way. That's my assignment. So, you know, you're like, oh, I'll do, I'll teach class all day, but oh, don't let me, for me, let me be honest. Please don't call me to primary. <laughs> Any of the Aries. Primary, nursery, seminary, all the Aries. I don't want to do those. I don't like kids. Sorry. I don't like them. I don't get them. So I'm I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm really happy to serve in the kingdom, but I prefer adults. <laughs> Does that sound like a humble child? No, so you know what my next column is going to be, don't you? I just jinxed myself to primary. Yeah, okay. So I have something to work on for myself. I have things that I don't like to do as much as others. So, so am I ready to serve? I will have to work on it. 
All right, let's move on. Let's move on. I'm going to move on to um, the next story. Let's do. One more yeah, one more thought. stretches it pushes us we grow we serve yeah yeah it is it is definitely a place where we get a chance to stretch um, I want to jump forward a little bit and let's do um, on the videos Rob which videos did we get queued up did we get they're all ready whichever one you want um, let's let's uh, let's do forgive 70 times 7 so let's jump ahead to that story um, Let's jump ahead to that one. So we're going to watch a video. Father, do you want to you? 
If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother that trespasses. Did we follow the story okay? So um, one of the things that we might forget that the Old Testament uh, tells us in the Law of Moses that we should forgive someone three times. So three times. So you give them three times and then they need to kind of shape up. So I think in this story, Peter's like, hey, Jesus, how many times in the new kingdom, how many times should we forgive? And, And you can almost hear him like, seven times, like more than twice as many, right up, he's getting the gist, good for Peter, right, he's, it's not three, it's seven, and seven is a number that kind of indicates perfection or completeness, we should completely or just totally do it, so it's like, uh, not only a lot of times, but we should completely forgive him, right, so Lord, we, we should probably forgive him like seven times, and what is Jesus's response, did you catch it? Seven times, seven times 70, so 490 times. And so you should get that fourth and you should tally it up. But that 450, done. Is that what it means? No, right? And then he tells a story. Tells a parable. Tells a parable. He says, it's not just seven times, Peter, but it's every time. All the time. Completely. Right? So he says, it's like, a kid, you know, this, so you guys follow the story. There was a servant and he owed 10,000 talents. A better translation, I think, is 10,000 bags of gold, like a bazillion dollars. You guys, it's not a little amount. It's, it's seriously like $500 million. So the servant, I don't know how he owes this much money, but it's a story. So he comes in and he owes a bazillion dollars. And he comes and, he, and the Lord's like, hey, you owe me all this money. And he falls down, and did you catch what he said? He says, um, uh, he falls down, uh, 10,000 talents. He says he'll pay, but he has, he says he, he says a very specific thing. He says, he falls down, and he says, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Can this man pay off the bazillion dollars? What if he worked really hard? What if he got a second job? What if he invested well? He can never pay off this money. Does the, does the king know this, the guy in charge? Yeah, he knows. There's no way for this guy to pay this off. But it says he's moved with compassion. And he forgives him the whole debt. A billion dollars. I forgive you a billion dollars. Right? Wow. Crazy, right? You go, that's crazy. Who would do that? I'd fire that guy. Right? I'd make him pay me. I don't know. There's a billion dollars. Right? And then he's like, okay, so then that guy goes out and he has a servant. And the servant owes him a hundred dollars. And this that servant falls down and he says, Hey, you owe me hundred bucks, man. And his servant falls, a third guy falls down, and he says the same exact words. Have patience with me. I will pay thee all. Why are they saying the exact same thing in the story? Why do they use the exact same phrase? 
It's intentional. Doesn't you matter the offense. Doesn't matter the offense. They're the same thing, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. It's the same thing. The first guy said, "Have patience with me. I'll pay it." And the second guy says, "Have patience with me. Pay it." And and the bad guy, what does he do? Takes him by the throat. You owe me a hundred bucks. And he throws him in jail and his wife and his kids and says, you're going to stay there until you pay it. How do we feel about that middle guy? He just got forgiven a billion dollars. I mean, he is owed a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. Not very much, right? What do we feel about that guy? How, how does it make you feel? Good, bad? Are we excited about that? It's terrible, you guys. It's a jerk. <laughs> he was just forgiven a billion dollars. And someone owes him nothing. And he's a jerk about it. Right? So then some other people find out about it. It says more servants. All these servants. So there's more servants find out about it. They go back to the very first guy. We call him the king. He says that the Lord goes back and he says, Can you believe what that guy did? And the king's like, Oh man, I'm so bad. He finds out. He says, Why didn't you forgive him? I forgave you. And he throws him in jail. And then the big punch, the big punchline. And likewise, will our Father in heaven treat you if you don't forgive people? What's the message of the story? It's about forgiveness. So the first question is, who, who's kind of the king in the story? Heavenly Father, right? And he forgives us everything. Something, a billion dollars. He forgives us stuff we can never repent of, right? We can never pay him back. And he's forgiven us. And so he's asking us to forgive those just a hundred dollars. Have, have you ever had somebody in your life that you had a hard time forgiving? Okay. Yes. yes, of course you have. <laughs> Otherwise you would not be human, right? You would not have human. I have a brother that I don't talk to. He sued all the rest of us in the family over a family business. I don't talk to him. Yeah. Let's, we'll bring you the, the uh, microphone. The Lord says, I will forgive whom I will forgive, but of you it is required to forgive all. Oh, well, what a tough commandment. What about my evil brother that sued all of us and took my parents' retirement? Should I forgive him? It's more than a hundred bucks. Doesn't yes, that is the correct answer. Yes, I should. Is it easy for me to do? No, no, it isn't. Do you guys have similar stories in your life? Yes. Oh yeah. But the Lord's asking, hey, it, you need to forgive him. Hit us. You literally want me to hit you? Yes. <laughs> How about figuratively? Okay. Um, I think all of us have been to that point where we have been so angry or so disappointed or whatever towards somebody else in our life and just had a hard time letting go of it. It doesn't hurt that person at all. It hurts us. 
And when we're able to forgive through the power of the atonement, it relieves. It's like that millstone has been taken from our neck and just thrown into the sea by itself. It is such a wonderful feeling to get rid of all that negativity. Does it make it easy to do, though? No, it isn't. It's easy to read the story. But it doesn't make it easier to do. But the Lord's asking us to say, but that's what's required. And that's how we have to change inside. It will bring peace to mind when you totally forgive. It will bring peace. Yeah, that's true. Does this mean that uh, you shouldn't be cautious yourself? That is, for example, suppose someone, uh, you go into business with someone and they uh, are not honest with you, but uh, does that mean you have to, by forgiving them, does that require that you submit yourself to the same thing again? Uh, what I'm trying to say is that it seems to me that forgiveness has a, a more dimensions, has a, a number of dimensions. Yeah. But the, but the, the, we we can try to we can forgive someone for hurt from hurting yeah. us, but it seems and and not and as yeah. a result be more peaceable with them. But the the question is should should we submit ourselves to a problem again. It, it doesn't seem like it, right? Jesus was nearly killed in Nazareth when he went and announced that he was the Messiah, and he never went back. When he went before Herod, the Tetrarch, he didn't say a word. He didn't, he didn't just keep taking those blows, right? He didn't put himself back in those situations. Not everybody deserves your attention. But we don't have to forgive them, right? But I don't think we have to let them walk all over us, is I think what you're saying. Any other thoughts on forgiveness? Ron? We don't have to forget the evil. Oh, we don't have to forget it, yeah, yeah. But we do have to forget We have to forget, <laughs> yeah. They're tough things, they're tough things, right? Um, I think what the Savior is asking us to do are, are difficult. It's easier to not be in the kingdom. It's easier to hold those things in. It's easier to not forgive. It's it's easier to not serve. It's easier to put up boundaries. It's easier, right? Those are easier to do, but they don't make us happy. And they don't make us better people. He's saying, this is how we change. This is how I change who I am inside. You have a thought? Yeah. Oh, um, I know that for myself, if I'm angry with somebody, they go merrily on their way and they're just fine. Yeah. And here I am holding this grudge, oh. and you know, and it could go on for years. Yeah. Or I could forgive them and forget it. So it, it's much to our advantage to yes. forgive if we yeah. find that. It's a good point. It doesn't hurt them, but it sure hurts us. Yeah. Right? Carry it around. Yeah. Yeah. And it affects our whole life. It does. It does. It does. Good thoughts, Arlene. Up here, hold on, let's wait for the microphone. There you go. You know, 
the peace that you receive from forgiving another person who has hurt you badly, it, it is a, a wonderful peace. And it's something that rather than hang on to that person that hurts you and stuff like that and not forgive him, it, it, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Because of the peace that point. comes from forgiving. And I think those things help us make that choice, but it, it is hard to do, mm-hmm. right? Really hard sometimes. Sometimes it's easy. That guy cut me off, you know, driving today. I don't care. But some of those bigger ones, they're pretty hard. People have had some really terrible things done to them. Hard to figure Back here? Oh, oh, let's start here and then we'll swoop around. When Jesus was agonizing on the cross, he said to the people, he says, to the soldiers, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So Jesus set the perfect example of forgiveness when he was excruciating in pain. Yeah, he did. He did. So in the middle of this hardest thing, he, he showed us. I think that's a good example. Yes? As I remember the scriptures, the Lord said that if you repent, then I will forgive your sins and I will remember them no more. Yeah. I heard somebody just say that you have to forgive, but you don't have to forget. Well, I question that. Okay. If you if you cannot forget it, and of course, it's what do you mean by forget? I guess that's yeah. the key here. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. If, if you say, I already can't forget, well, then maybe you really haven't fully forgiven. If you just keep letting it gnaw at you all the time, you just don't forget it. There is a way of turning your back on it and not thinking about it anymore. Right. If somebody reminds you of it, you'll remember. I mean, your you yeah. mind doesn't just go blind. Well, and I do think our point here, too, is that we don't put ourselves back in an injurious situation, yeah, in an abusive situation. Time. So we don't have to be a doormat. We don't have to be abused. We don't have to be in those situations. So yeah. we don't. Except we turn the other cheek. We, we do turn the other cheek, but we don't have to say, well, I can go back and let them do it again. Yeah, you can turn the other cheek and then walk away. Yes, yeah, so hopefully, right? <laughs> yes, sir. I think I think one of the things that the gospel teaches us is that it's all about it's it's from within. If if my brother hurt me, that's really that's my decision, and it, and so what we're really saying is we have the power to forgive. We have within ourselves the power to to be what the Savior wants us to be because it's up to us. It's our decision. Uh, whether you slug me across the cheek and then I turn the other one, and that's great. That's I have that choice. Or I can get mad and I can strike back. But the point here is, is that we need to rise above the world and be a little bit better in this new kingdom. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right on there, President. We have to change from within, and we have to keep practicing and keep working through. And he's telling us how to do those things, right? It's it's not just show up to church and and, and wear my church clothes and say I'm Christian or whatever. It's to be different. It's to act differently. It's changed my heart, right? I love Ezekiel 37, right? It changes from a stony heart to a fleshy one. I want to have soft heart. I want to be, I want to be soft-hearted. I want to be changeable. I want to be like a child. And I have to practice. 
because my natural inclination may not be like that, right? I might not quite have that down. Any other thoughts on that? Let's jump to Luke 10. We just have a, a minute. So let's jump over to Luke 10. Um, in this chapter, if you haven't had a chance, keep reading through Matthew 18. Lots of stories uh, that you will recognize, the lost sheep, um, some more about the kingdom, and so some other good lessons. So definitely worth uh, your effort to review. Um, in chapter 10 of Luke, um, we are doing the story of the Good Samaritan. Did we cue that up, Ron? Let's, yes. let's watch that one. Let's watch a video, and then we'll finish up with a couple thoughts. So while we're watching this, I'm going to do one contextual analysis after we're done, and then you guys know the story of the Good Samaritan, but I want you to think of what does this mean to you to change.
So a little, they didn't do the words, but we know the story, right? Is everyone kind of familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan? Um, so you saw that he he's beaten up and mugged, right, and left for dead, and then two people walk by him, and they just don't even turn help at all. And then a third person. Then a third person. Um, just contextually, if you'll excuse the analogy, but... Um, this story, we miss some, I know we've probably heard it a little bit, but this story, you miss some of the punch, the emotional punch, because of who these people were. So if I retold the story analogous to today, it would be, you know, someone was beaten up and on the road, and the uh, State Relief Society president walked by, didn't stop. Then a temple ordinance worker walked by and didn't even help. And then last of all, a Muslim man walked by and helped him. You'd be like, oh, what, right? The temple worker, the Relief Society president, people that we're used to, but the person that they hated the most, right? I'm not saying you all hate Muslims, but someone that would have been like, oh, or, you know, we're not really getting along with them, and why would they help us? That's the story, and that's the person that helps. So he's saying, who, who was his neighbor? Right? Who was the one that went nearby? Who was the one that helped? The temple worker? The Relief Society president? Or was it the other? Right? It's a it's a striking story about where we are, where we're willing to help, where we're willing to change inside. Any thoughts there? Comments? Things that struck you? John in the back there, President. Anybody who has taken BYU studies, years and years ago, there was an in-depth study of the parable of the Good Samaritan as seen by the early Christian church. In the early Christian church, Jesus Christ was the Good Samaritan. And it's also very interesting. To, and so if any of you have access to a computer, you can look that up on the internet and key in those key words, Parable of Good Samaritan BYU Studies, and you'll be able to pull that article and make a copy that's very, very interesting how the early Christians saw that parable. Yeah, a lot of analogies, right? A lot of layers on these stories. That's what makes them powerful. Two Any, minutes. Uh, anything that we can see Two over minutes. here that, that we think we could do? Let's have one more comment. Maybe the Relations Society president was late for a meeting. You don't know. <laughs> and I think that's the point, right? If I think that's part of the point. I and mean, who knows but what the Good Samaritan was late for a meeting and stopped. And you know, I was moved by the kindness yeah. with which he treated yeah. this person that he never met. It was very moving. Yeah, very moving. I mean, they show him carrying him. They show him leaving yeah. money. They you didn't have to hear any words. Uh, to me, scary. maybe a good parallel for this day and age would be that the, uh, the person that came by and finally helped him was an LGBT guy. Yeah, right, somebody that- Somebody that maybe we look down on and don't think is quite as righteous as we are. Right, right. And isn't that striking, right? If we look at ourselves in the story, sometimes we're the Samaritan, sometimes we're the Levite, sometimes we're the guy that got beaten up and is laying in the rope. But the Lord is saying that we should be like that good Samaritan, right? We should be the one that changes and helps and goes beyond 
That's, that's who our neighbors are. Those are the ones that are nearby. Those are the ones that are part of the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, I'm grateful for the scriptures. Thank you for letting me share them with you tonight. And, uh, and I do know that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we bow before thee this evening after a wonderful lesson of teaching us how we need to do what we need to do in order to fulfill the commandment. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven and I am perfect. Each of these things hinge on that commandment. We thank thee for the lesson, sister. Glory has taught, it's been marvelous, and for the comments that have been made and pray that we may take these things in our heart and try to be more like thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. amen.